live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music, interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. Now, welcome our hosts, John the Vernomatic Verno and Metal Forever Mark. We're doing our part to keeping it heavy. Welcome to the show. I want to thank you for finding us in any capacity that you did. iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, and like the guy at the beginning said, MetalMayhemROC.com. I'm your host, John the Vernomatic Verno, and tonight we have a good one. My partner in metal crime, Metal Forever Mark, had a chance to catch up with Michael Sweet. Founder, lead guitarist, and the frontman for the band Striper. The band just released their 13th studio album called Even the Devil Believes. A couple weeks ago, we had a chance to play a few of the tracks on the Streaming for Vengeance segment on one of the shows. And band gets a bad rap for, quote, being a Christian band. But if you really sit back and listen to them, they kick some serious ass. And with that being said, let me introduce my partner in crime. Metal Forever Mark. How are you, Mark? Vernomatic. How are you? Nice to talk to you as always about heavy metal. It's yeah, th- heavy in here. <laughs> it is getting heavy. So we got a good one tonight. Uh, Michael Sweet, founding member of Striper, guitarist, really the heart and soul of that band. Uh, you had a chance to catch up with them uh, about a week or two ago. And uh, what did you guys talk about? What was the interview covering? Yeah, it was uh, it was actually really exciting um, for me. I've just been a long fan, standing fan of the band Striper, and you know they have a new album out called uh, Even the Devil Believes. They've been a really really active metal band from the '80s, and um, have just put out you know very consistently you know album tour cycle. So um, it was just great to be able to talk to him and take a little bit of a deeper dive into the uh, new album. You know, kind of the genesis of it some of the things they went through during the writing process, which happened to coincide with, uh, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic. It was just really, really great. And I had a chance to not only talk about the new album, but also kind of go into, um, you know, the hair metal you know, topic, them being a Christian band and does any of that kind of detract away from the music. So it was pretty all in and uh, it was a great interview. I was really excited uh, to get a chance to speak uh, with Michael. Uh, I also had a chance to uh, participate uh, on a live listening streaming you know, a ticketed event basically and it was super awesome i mean all the band members were there they had their manager there uh they previewed two three songs and then uh michael would talk about them and then all the band members would, would talk about each of the tracks and one of the things that was interesting is that i don't know if you remember hearing the song divider yet it's actually the heaviest song by far on the album almost like a it's almost like a speed metal song and they said so far that's been the number one requested uh, song from the new album so much so they're making a video for it really and it kind of yeah and it kind of goes to show you that i guess maybe the real real diehard striper fans are very much um into the heavier stuff i don't know i mean i kind of maybe thought it'd be opposite but um i thought that was interesting to say the least um so this this streaming thing you you saw was that just the 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 new one the new album or did it have something to do with the the making of soldiers under command that i saw they were doing 
So last night was about the new album only, and they previewed the new album and then talked about exclusively the new album. However, Michael Ditch say that they plan on doing something similar uh, for a lot of their past albums, and I think the next one is going to be Soldiers Under Command, which is super cool. And then, they, then he also previewed something else they're doing, which is they got into a soundstage not too long ago. They shot uh, the whole new album. They performed it live um, and recorded from like six or seven cameras. And they're going to put that out as like a special viewing event. And then they also did the same thing with the Soldiers Under Command album where they performed the whole album front to back live on the soundstage with seven camera angles. So um, I think they're doing some cool stuff and it really makes it interactive. And um, again, without being able to go on the road, I think this is kind of a second best. And uh, so I think you're going to see them doing a lot of stuff over the coming months, uh, not only as it relates to the new album, but also some of these performances that they're performing these albums live. With Striper, uh, you know, I went on that streaming event last night, well, for two reasons. One, I knew I just talked to Michael, knew we had the interview coming up, so I kind of wanted to just hear more you know, of his assessment of the, of the new release and the songs and all the band members' uh, assessment. I also did it, though, because I am a fan, and I wanted to hear, hear the music and I was doing it a lot of out of curiosity and I was thinking, well, it's 90 minutes and maybe I'll pop into it for a little bit. And I'll go do some stuff and come back and watch some more or eat some dinner around it or whatever. But I really found myself watching the whole damn thing, like pretty much front to back. And I thought just from a fan experience, I just thought it was really super cool. I mean, you just kind of, you kind of felt like you're chilling and living with all of them. They kind of told some stories, backstories. They took some Q and a, they answered some chats from the, from the fans that were dialed in. I just thought that platform was super cool. And then um, going back to your other point, you know, I was even thinking of a band like Iron Maiden where, you know, they, they maybe they can't fly to a hundred shows, but what if they do, you know, one, one big production show, or maybe they string three shows together, or maybe they start tackling all these older albums and play them front to back. I mean, there could be, there could be some really cool stuff that comes out of this kind of technology kind of concept. And, um, and somebody even asked me the other day, well, you know, is the older metalhead generation into the streaming stuff? Is it more of a younger kid, you know, thing? I think, tech, you know, it's the same. Any age, I think we're all pretty savvy. Like, I would I would tune into some of this stuff. So, uh, anyway, hats off to Striper. I thought that, that was a cool streaming event. Um, I think the new album's really current, really relevant. It stands up to any of the past stuff they've done. And uh, I just think that if you listen to this interview and you're not a huge Striper fan or not that familiar, think they have been inactive for 15 years or so. Yeah. I think you're going to, like you said, you're going to learn a lot and maybe you're going to go back and check out some of their back catalog, but um, it's pretty, pretty interesting all the way around. I want, I want to play something right now. Um, Metal Mayhem, ROC correspondent, Southern Cal, uh, had a chance to see the band last summer. They were doing a tour specializing in bands and music that inspired the band. And he has a little review. We're going to play this and then we're going to come back. Mark's going to give a parting shot and we're going to kick into the, into the Striper interview. Clubs, sheds, arenas, stadiums. This is On The Road, your compass for live metal concerts. Hey, we have Metal Mayhem ROC correspondent Southern Cal on the line. Cal, how are you, buddy? Doing good, Vern. How's everything? Good, good. Listen, uh, we have an exciting interview with Michael Sweet of Striper playing tonight. But you have an interesting story. You had a chance to see 
the Striper Band on tour. Why don't you tell us the story about it? Yeah, this uh, show took uh, place back in June on the 11th in 2019. It was a local show here in Melbourne at our auditorium. After seeing them, what a bunch of great musicians. Very solid, played great. Um, I was actually very much impressed when they uh, started breaking out some cover songs mixed in with, of course, all their their hits. Um, they, they played some Kiss, some Van Halen, uh, Heading Out to the Highway by Judas Priest, Heaven and Hell, Crazy Train, a lot of good stuff. And, and then, of course, all their, uh, you know, their hits, like I said, To Hell with the Devil and All She Wrote and God She Trusts. So uh, very, uh, very impressed by the show, I have to say. I think I remember something about it was the uh, greatest hits in covers tour, uh, all the songs that influenced their generation. That's when now it's all coming back to me. But um, so your your wife convinced you to go to the show. You go to the show. And I remember afterwards you were blowing my phone up like, oh, my God, it's like uh, you, you, you found a new band. Um, would, would, you go, <laughs> would you go see him again? I would probably go see them again, but I would hope that um, I would be the guy who would be hoping they were playing some more of these covers. When they played Panama, you were the you Vern, you were the first person I thought of. Yeah, well, they're uh, they're big big Van Halen fans. Oh, and they they were knocking it out. The Heaven and Hell by the Sabbath cover was just uh, you know the guy can sing. Well, they have so, a uh, they have a new one coming out, and the name of the album's the Even the Devil Believes. So. A couple of weeks ago, we, we previewed a couple songs on our streaming for vengeance segment, and it went over pretty well. So suggest you give it a listen. Maybe, uh, maybe it's a new band you could really get into and look forward to going and seeing them live. Oh, I'd love to see them live again. That would, that would be for sure. Um, like I said, though, great musicians, all very uh, able to play their stuff. And just what they were tight. The sound was great. It's about a thousand seat venue, this place. Um, it was probably about half full. So not too bad for a small little town here in Melbourne. All right. Well, uh, Southern Kale, thanks for the input, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Vern. Be good. Take care, man. So there you have Southern Kale with his um, Striper review. Uh, Mark, do you remember anything with that with that tour? Well, um, well, first of all, just to comment on the cover songs that uh, he referenced, Striper does have a cover album that they released uh few years back and a lot of the songs he just mentioned actually was back in 20 2010 so i guess wow that's already 10 years ago but um <laughs> some of the songs and bands he just mentioned are on this album so some priests some maiden some uh, black sabbath uh scorpions van halen so uh, anyway i would encourage any heavy metal fan to check out their covering album because to his point they're great musicians and the recordings of these uh cover songs are pretty cool in and of themselves but look they were again just incredible and uh, i did talk to michael about their live shows and they kind of end with a prayer which is really weird because you go from 1200 fans fist pumping and singing metal songs to uh everything being quiet and then they pray and then they give you bibles so and you leave yeah, the venue yeah. so it's kind of like you're on this big emotional high and then you're kind of ooh, you know kind of left with reflecting on what just happened so um but yeah they're dude, they're a great band I, I love them i think the fact that they've been called a hair metal band or you know they're known for their a couple ballads or uh again you know because they're they have the christian faith and some people maybe are not comfortable with that detracts from the fact they're just a really kick-ass killer heavy metal band thanks for as always for the support and the production and um let's go it let's here it is michael sweet 
Hello, everyone. This is Metal Forever Mark, live from Rock Vox Studios here in Rochester, New York. My co-host, Vernomatic, is uh, behind the switchboard today, so um, I'm taking this one on my own. But uh, we're here today with um, Michael Sweet. He's the guitarist and lead vocalist, and I believe also founder of the band Striper. So, uh, Michael, it's a great honor and privilege to speak with you, and thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thanks for having me, and uh, I'm just prepping for the release of the album. <laughs> yeah, so I know... Uh, uh, you guys have already released um, first two tracks, Make Love Great Again, and then Blood From Above. I think Blood From Above was first, really heavy. The other one's a little more r- melodic, riffy. What can you tell fans what to expect, I believe, on September the 4th when this album um, actually drops? Well, we've been working hard to come back to our our roots, you know, give the fans what they've been asking for and what they expect, you know, all the all the things that Striper has to offer that people expect from Striper. And at the same time, we're trying to merge that with the present and add some modern twist along the way. We're, we're never going to be a modern rock band, and we don't want to be. But we want to try to remain relevant in 2020 and, you know, release something that uh, maybe, it's going to, maybe it's going to bring in new fans. You know, and we've been doing that uh, for the past 13 years. We're seeing those new fans at shows, and it, it appears that the way that we're formatting everything and, and working everything out is, is working. Yeah, and as it relates to, to new fans coming to shows, I know this is happening, I guess, in the metal, heavy metal rock world in general. Like, is it generational, do you think? Do you think it's like uh, guys like myself that maybe grew up with Striper that are now bringing their teenage kids to the shows? and Or do you feel like it's a combination of that plus, you know, young generation finding it on their own? I think it's a combination of both because I see the kids coming in their parents' shirt. And a lot of times I'll talk to these kids during the show, after the show, before the show, and I'll ask them that question, like, where would you get your shirt? You know, And they'll say, I got it from Dad or I got it from Mom. But at the same time, there's a lot of young fans that are coming who say, no, I didn't get it from Dad. My, my dad doesn't even know who you guys are. I, I heard a song on the, on the radio or I saw it on YouTube or I uh, heard it on Spotify and I became an instant fan. So it's a combination of both, for sure. Was your intention and an original plan to write a new CD or album, I guess that's what we're calling them now, or uh, were you? Or did you have other plans, and then all of a sudden, because you ended up in quarantine like most of us, you decided to go in a, in a different direction and write an album? No, not really. I mean, we just stayed uh, on course and, and stuck to the schedule. I mean, we had this album scheduled uh, far and long before the pandemic. You know, it was on the books to start work on a new Striper album uh, a year ago, and it just worked out. I mean, we start, I started writing the album in December. The guys came out in January, early January, to my house, uh, and we rehearsed, went in and started recording mid-January, and by the end of our basic track uh, sessions, uh, the end of January, that's when we really started hearing a lot about uh, you know, cases in the U.S. and how it was spreading and everyone started becoming more concerned, but it didn't stop the process of the album at all. Do you think that the um, pandemic uh, influence, I mean, I, I imagine always life and worldly events are going to affect your songwriting and the music, because I think initially when you started talking about this album, you had mentioned that maybe it's going to be a lot heavier, maybe a little darker, but now you're saying it's maybe a little more of a throwback to Soldiers Under Command. I mean, I assume life... Uh, <laughs> 
worldly events influence writing? I mean, did, did the COVID-19 pandemic affect the writing at all? Did it go in different directions or did it kind of stay true to what you guys had planned? Yeah, it didn't affect it at all because, as, as I said earlier, it, uh, it was written uh, before uh, COVID, before the pandemic. It is, when I say it's, it's one of our heaviest albums, it still is in my mind. I mean, it's not, it's not a thrash album. It's not to a whole different level of heavy that's going to make fans say, okay, this is really different for the band. It's got a lot of those similarities of, of the albums of the past and uh, even more recent albums. There's, there's a lot of, it's kind of one in a series and, you know, a lot of similarities, but at the same time, it's got its own footprint and its own, uh, its own thing completely. Uh, there's uh, the majority of the songs on the album are definitely very riff laden, riff heavy, a lot of guitars, big, crunchy, heavy guitars, and uh, there's some real fast stuff. There's some mid-tempo stuff, and then there's one ballad on the album that's got more of a gospel, uh, southern rock feel to it, which is unexpected for Striper as well. Yeah, I was talking to um, Vernon Maddock, who's our normally our show co-host, just before the sh you know your call here today, and I told him I said, look, the last three Striper releases, Goddamn Evil. Fallen and um, No More Hell to Pay. I mean, those are all really heavy, heavy, <laughs> heavy metal albums, really. A lot of heavy guitars and crazy riffs and awesome solos. So to your point, it sounds like it's somewhat in that kind of in that same vein. Yeah, this album's no different than those. You know, the songwriting style, the production, the, uh, the guitar uh, drive, and it, it's just it's very guitar heavy. I don't know if people realize that or recognize that, but we've always been a guitar band. You know, it's not that we're not a drum band or a bass band or a vocal. I mean, we're we're just we're based on uh, and we our history dates back to bands that were very heavily guitar laden, and and that's how we are. You know, bands like Scorpions and um, Thin Lizzy and UFO and. Uh, you know, and then you move forward into bands like Priest uh, with twin guitars and then, uh, you know, obviously Maiden and, and then Van Halen. You know, it's all those guitar heavy uh, bands where the guitar uh, parts and the guitar players were really out front and noticed. And that's how we've always been, you know, but we just t times two. There's two two guitar players in the band. Uh, a lot of people think there's just one, but there's there's actually two. And we do a lot of stuff together. And by the way, speaking of which, how's Oz Fox doing health-wise? He's doing well. I mean, he, he's been dieting and uh, trying to find ways to uh, combat uh, uh, the tumors in, in his head. And uh, he's, he, he looks great. He, he feels great. Uh, he's probably going to be uh, undergoing some sort of surgery at some point this year. That's the plan. And uh, to just kind of take it head on and deal with it. I think up until this point, they were trying to find alternative ways to, to deal with it. And it wasn't uh, or isn't working as expected. But uh, he's, he's in a good place right now. Yeah, well, well thank you for that. And we'll, we'll certainly wish him well and keep our eyes on um, how he's doing. But um, also, you. You, you'd mentioned also just briefly, not to get too off topic on some things, but uh, Judas Priest and Rob Helford, the metal god, and he just had his birthday this week. And I saw you mention that. Uh, he influenced your vocal style heavily, and look, your your vocals are also incredible. I mean, you've got great range and uh, power, and I think the new track that's out, uh, you can see all that. So, do you want just want to speak on that vocal side of it as well? Yeah, he, he's always been a big influence <clears throat> on me, and uh, more than people may realize, and certainly more than he would probably ever realize. Um, I, I'll never forget uh, when I was going to school, <clears throat> my sister was driving me in her. Uh, 
in her Vega station wagon uh, to uh, high school to drop me off. And on the way there, I heard Priest on the radio. And I'll never forget the feeling that I had uh, as if it were yesterday, you know, being just completely blown away and inspired instantly to want to be a better singer. Because I heard him sing, Rob sing, and it, it blew my mind. I thought, wow, okay. I've never heard anyone sing like that. I want to sing like that. <laughs> and I started working on my voice, and um, I didn't have a high head voice, uh, upper range developed, and a scream per se. Um, and I just had my lower range. And I started working instantly on my upper range and my vibrato and delivering things with a little bit more intensity. Um, and it's funny because that's probably one of the things the haters out there, uh, you know, don't like about my voice is the, uh, the upper range and the vibrato. They say I'm too operatic, and, and yet in the same sentence they'll say they're big fans of Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. And, you know, they're very operatic as well. Rob Halford is, and so is Bruce. And uh, I, I, uh, those are two of my big influences. I don't really sound anything like them, but they've definitely influenced me along the way uh, tremendously. So I, I give kudos to, to Rob anytime I can because uh, he's just a such a big influence. He actually came on stage and jammed with us in Canada as well. Back in 1991, uh, we were performing and um, he, uh, he came up and they were performing in town the next night. And uh, we did Breaking the Law, and he sang it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but did you cover you cover that song on that album, The Coverings, correct? Break we sure did. We yeah. covered that song. And the reason why we covered that one is because it, a lot of thought went into every song that we covered, uh, not only the songs that we grew up on and that we love uh, personally, but also the songs we were always thinking about the songs that the, the fans would like as well. And obviously, Breaking the Law is a, is a big smash for Priest and a straight-ahead tune. And uh, we we could have gone in a different direction and done something like, uh, you know, Sinner or Ripper or Victim of Changes or Exciter. I mean, there's so many others we could have done. Uh, and, and maybe someday we will because we're going to do a covering, too, at some point. Nice. But we played it a little safer in, in covered Breaking the Law. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, well, thanks for sharing all that. Um, about, so uh, before we get into, oh, by the way, I was going to mention we previewed Blood from Above um, on our show about a week or two back, and I think that track actually opens with a crazy high-pitched vocal. <laughs> you rip right into the song. So uh, we got a lot of good positive fan reaction from that, by the way, so that was pretty cool. Um, by the way, before we leave uh, the new album, because I do want to just try to squeeze in a few other just other just gen general questions, I suppose, as it relates to Striper, but... Um, uh, where can fans go to purchase the CD and buy the album, and where should they go to get it? Well, I mean, it, it should be available. I'd be surprised if it's not. It should be available anywhere you can buy music. And most people can find you just your main official site is just striper.com, correct? Striper.com, yep. and then there's michaelsweet.com as well, and uh, and then there's uh, the Facebook pages, uh, which have a store on each Facebook page that takes you right to the uh to the merch uh, links and sites. Uh, and then there's, of course, Instagram and Twitter and, and all that good stuff. We're all over social media, and we try to stay pretty active on social media. 
you mentioned uh, you you were kind of tweeting about this and talking about this even before the pre COVID nineteen pandemic that it is getting a little bit more challenging and difficult for bands from a business perspective, from a revenue perspective. Meaning, you know, streaming like Spotify, you know, they only share right. a small percentage of the revenue. I mean, you know, a lot of people still like to buy the product, but you know, buying old school CDs and records and like you even said, cassettes is you know getting more difficult and you can't tour as much as you used to. So, what do you want? fans kind of know just music i mean business wise how that's affecting um bands like like striper these days well whenever you say anything against uh, you know what's popular and and you know what's working in our society right now and and according to modern technology you, you run the risk of being scrutinized and, and almost coming across as a a negative nancy or a debbie downer complainer and it wasn't meant that way at all. It's just the fact that, you know, uh, Spotify isn't the best format for bands and for musicians and writers. It's just not. That's a fact. Uh, when you compare it to the past and the way bands made a living, which was primarily based on <clears throat> royalties and mechanicals, that's not the case anymore. And we have Spotify to thank for that. And it's not Michael Sweet giving his opinion. It's just those those are the hard facts. And, uh, you know, it may be good for the CEO of Spotify, but it, it's not good for the musicians. And that's what I was trying to convey. Uh, but, you know, th my words aren't going to change the way people listen to music. It's it's advancement. It's the way it is. And, and there's nothing that can really be done about it, especially at this point. Uh, it, it's at a point where it's it's – it's too far gone, you know. Um, the, the hard copies that used to sell back in the day, uh, back in 86, you compare them to hard copies today. You know, I remember releasing Tell with the Devil and it's selling 100,000 units very quickly. You know, now we're very fortunate and blessed if we can sell 10,000 units very quickly. And some bands, 1,000 units very quickly. So it's not about buying the hard copy and holding it any longer it's about streaming it and it's a bummer because you go and you work and you invest three months of your life or four months of your life and you a lot of money a lot of time a lot of effort blood sweat and tears only to have people stream two or three or four songs from an 11 or 12 song album and it's very deflating for bands and uh, frustrating and then when bands voice that opinion they get tagged as complainers and not wanting to follow along with the times. And it's like, well, duh, of course not. Yeah, it's really sure. interesting, uh, you know, challenging times for sure in that regard. So I want to just mini pivot and then uh, feel free to stop if, if you got to jump because we're going to try to keep this on timeline. Um, but, you know, I'm going to lump up maybe a couple questions in, into one. It's, um, and this one actually came from a fan on our Facebook page, which, you know, it has to do with your, you know, the Striper being a Christian band having a Christian faith. And, you know, the question was, how do you keep that centered ground, you know, live in the rock style, you know, the, the life on the road, touring. And then, you know, in, in conjunction with that, you know, do things like a global pandemic, you know, and I know you've had other life crises as, a, as everybody does, but, you know, does it question, help you question your faith or does it make your faith even stronger? So can you just speak to the Christian aspect of, of, of the band? Well, I mean, there are things that happen in my life, uh, that question my faith. Uh, one of those things in in most recent times, ten years ago, uh, when my my wife passed of cancer, and here I am serving God, 
so to speak, quote unquote, however you want to term that. And then, you know, my, my wife gets cancer and, uh, it, uh, it was a moment in my life that made me question God. It made me think what that rhymes with truck, you know? <laughs> right. And, I'm out there mowing the lawn, you know, crying out to God, just saying, what's going on here, you know? But as as I, uh, you know, moved on, as life moved on, and I, I got through that incredibly dark storm, I, I realized that, you know, these things, as you said earlier, they happen to everyone. You know, uh, everyone is vulnerable. Everybody has these moments in their lives where they question God, where they question life itself. And uh, that's what helps us to to grow and to learn and to uh, become better people and stronger people. So, uh, you know, I, I, I met uh, my wife, Lisa. Uh, we've been married for 10 years, and uh, I feel like God sent her to me really quickly. And, and she truly is a godsend, and I, I don't think I'd be here if, if it wasn't for her. And she's helped me through so much, and, and she's such an amazing person. And, uh, you know, those moments uh, have altered my life. And in, at the time, I felt in a bad way, but now that I look back and reflect, I, I realize in a good way. You know, because I, I view life differently, and um, I've learned a lot through it, and I feel I've gotten stronger and more determined and uh, harder worker and um, a better provider and uh, just more focused. So, you know, I just want to encourage anyone out there who is going through any type of a situation uh, that feels like it's life-changing or threatening that, uh, you know, stay focused and stay encouraged and, uh, you know, don't lose hope. You know, stay hopeful because things change. We go through seasons and storms, and those storms eventually pass. Well, thank you for sharing that because um, I'd known about the passing of your wife, and I wasn't, you know, sometimes people don't want to go there or talk about things like that, but I think you tied it in perfectly to, um, you know, like you had mentioned, things that are happening even present moment, you know, world worldly that, that we're all dealing with. So, um, this one, uh, Vertimatic and I, we, we talked about this on our show the other day, and I'm not a musician, and I've tried to play striper songs on guitar, and I, I, I can't even try, <laughs> so I give up on that. But anyway, this tag, and I guess this even ties into, um, like, even like that track, Honestly, that was one of your first big hits, and I know you mentioned the high, uh, you know, vibrato, and people thinking you might even be a female singer at first, and then, you know, in conjunction with that, being known for a ballad, but also this hair metal tag that gets thrown out there that... You know, I know it's, you know, the style and the look that happened way back in the 80s when bands like Striper were, you know, first around. But what, what, is, you, what is your opinion on that, Tad? Does it frustrate you? Does it irritate you? You just kind of accept it for what it is? Because I think it kind of cheapens the musicianship and the music, in my view. But you're the musician. It so It, it <laughs> really know. does. Because when I think of hair, hair bands, I think of Poison. And that's not the slam Poison, but we're nothing like Poison in, in any way, shape, or form. So when we get tagged hair band, um, it, it's definitely disconcerting. It, 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 it's it's not an accurate description of the band. I don't think uh, we're we're a hard rock metal band. Yeah, it just so happens that we had a lot of hair, and and the hair kept getting higher. And like any other band from that era, I mean, at one point uh, Guns N' Roses was a hair band. 
you know, let's be real. I mean, every band from that era at some point was a hair band, except the guys that didn't have hair. And, uh, um, you know, it, it just, and then the clothing too, it was all about the, the clothing and the costumes and Ray Brown, uh, was the guy that made them for most bands, White Snake, Bon Jovi, you name it. And, you know, we, I don't want to say we got caught up in that, but we were part of that, that, that era. And, uh, with that comes labels. And then you add to that the Christian label. And, uh, you know, I, I always thought it was very funny and very odd to label music or a band Christian just because they sing about Christ. Because, you know, all the bands that sing about Satan aren't labeled satanic bands. They're just labeled metal bands. Slayer, who would pick any band that has pentagrams and sings about the devil, and they're not called... Uh, yeah, so what does it feel like to be a satanic band? It's, but with Striper, because we sing about Jesus, like, what does it feel like to be a Christian band? And that tag is always thrown around so loosely, and um, I've never liked it. I feel that it limits what we do and continues to do so. And I've also said many times, and I'll say it again, uh, the limitations are uh, wide, and, you know, there are many. And... Um, it's like when I walk in a store when our album comes out and you go into a store that still sells hard copies and you say, yeah, I'm looking for the new Striper album. And the guy points to the back corner of the store and says, oh, it's back there under the Christian section. And then I'm standing there. I'm standing there looking at the new Judas Priest album at the front of the store on display. That's that's what I'm talking about with limitations. And labeling, you know, and, yeah, all the above. Yeah, we're a metal band. Yeah. We're a metal band, and we should be at the front of the store uh, in, under the same display as Judas Priest. Why Why shouldn't we? Uh, so that's that's what really frustrates me and, and, and you know, uh, makes me want to change things. And then fans who cling and hold firmly to the Christian tag, when they hear me say that, they get offended. Yeah. And they think that I'm... Uh, basically dissing and walking away from our Christian faith. And it's not that at all. I mean, how have we in one way, shape or form walked away from our Christian faith? Our albums are as bold as you can get and as Christian as you can get in terms of lyrically. Uh, but man, I just don't like the Christian tag. I, I think it, it, it sucks. I, I, I think it's silly. I really do. Christian metal. It just, come on. We're, we're a metal band. <laughs> I, I think I've actually gone to stores and taken your Striper CDs from the Christian section and moved them over to the rock metal, just for what it's worth. <laughs> they probably got put back by the store clerk. But um, um, it's so interesting. <laughs> I mean, people are smart enough to figure out what's Christian and what's not. They don't need a label to tell them. Sure. I, I, that's just my opinion. I don't know. I, I, I will say, I've got one more I wanted to ask you, um, but um, I will say that I've only been to a handful of your shows, unfortunately, because sometimes, you know, it, you don't tour all the time and don't hit all the cities all the time. But, you know, when you guys do that prayer at the end and you shut down like a raucous thousand rock and roll heavy metal fans and psh, it ends up being dead silent and you guys are praying up there. It, it is really powerful. I'm, I'm just, I would like to add, by the way, it, well, it's pretty awesome. Hey, man, you know, I, I tell you, it, I, there, there are very few people in this world that would argue that prayer is bad and that would say prayer is bad most people welcome prayer 
you know, no matter what you believe or who you believe in, most people welcome prayer, especially in times of need. So when we end the show with prayer, it can be the most powerful moment of the show. Because there are people in the crowd who are hurting. You know, there may be someone in the crowd who's losing a loved one or who has terminal cancer or who has just lost their job or they're uh, an addict, a drug addict or alcoholic. Uh, and and, and they, maybe they need prayer. And they, they came there with the hidden burden of, man, I wish I could get prayer. And then when we say a prayer for them at the end of the show, maybe it's the highlight of their night. No doubt. Well said. Awesome. Thank you. Um, hey, just the last one I was going to ask you, um, then we can wrap. Um, uh, you know, there's this, uh, a lot of these, you know, rock heavy metal legends like yourself and Striper and the other bands that we kind of had mentioned already through the show, like the Metallicas and the Maidens and the Priests of the World. There is, do you feel like there's there's at some point like a, like a passing of the torch or a passing of the guard or is there an obligation to help young bands like a aging Peyton Manning might help out a young quarterback, for example, as a sports analogy? Or do you think that it's just, hey, you know what, everybody's got to make it on their own like you all did? Uh, what's your kind of sense to that? Because I feel like, you know, where is that next generation of um, hard, hard rock and heavy metal bands that they're going to carry this thing on? Well, you know, those that are worthy deserve, uh, you know, uh, support. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, it take like Todd Latore, for example, who <laughs> stepped into the Queensryche frontman position. Incredibly talented guy. At the time when he joined Queensryche, he was younger, you know, and up-and-coming guy that no one really knew a lot about. And Todd deserved uh, support for many reasons because he's got uh, the heart and he's got the, the talent. And, you know, it, it broke my heart to see some of the fans just tearing him to shreds in the, early on when he first joined the band because, you know, they're diehards and, and they don't want change. And, uh, you know, they want Jeff to be the singer always for Queensryche. And, uh, you know, I got behind Todd and gave him 100% of my support and still do. Uh, there are guys like that who are up and coming, as you said, to pass the torch to. And we need to really get behind them. There are some other people that... You know, um, they just don't have the the good, so to speak. And it, a lot of people are supporting them, and I'm sitting there kind of scratching my head like, yeah, I'm not really getting it. I'm not getting that same feeling when I heard Rob Halford for the first time. You know, I'm, I'm approaching 60, and my time left to, to do this isn't, you know, 20 or 30 years or maybe 10 years. It, it, it You know, I, I don't know, man. I never know. We don't know what tomorrow may bring, yeah. you know, uh, and all too well, we see this on a daily basis that we just, our time is precious here on earth. So, you know, when I'm gone and when Striper's gone, we, we need another band to kind of fill our shoes, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that band is either out there now or forming now or prepping uh, for the cause. So uh, I, I'm there to get behind him for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. And um, yeah, and then it's a whole other topic of, you know, different players coming into bands that keep bands going like a Richie Faulkner, for example, who just, you know, came into pre-sign Look, you even filled in for Boston, right? So, I mean, you know, it's kind of yeah, like, I, Matt, love, Matt. I love Richie. Yeah. I love Richie. Yeah. Richie. Richie's one of my favorites and, uh, such a true perfect fit for priest. And then Boston, I, it, you know, I, I was, that was a short lived run. I was, I did one tour and I was in the band for four years uh, there were a lot of high expectations and dreams of me continuing on and 
recording with them. I started writing songs and taking them to Tom, and he really loved what he was hearing, and there was a bright future, and then everything changed, and I realized that that wasn't going to work out. Yeah, well, I thought you did a remarkable job in that band as well. And um, so, Michael, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we, in closing, is there anything else that you you just kind of want to add or anything that we didn't touch on as it relates to the um, new album coming out on September the 4th? Uh, just anything else before we, we, we wrap today's discussion? Well, I mean, it's the album's coming out September 4th, which as we speak right now, it's a, a week away. And a new video, Do Unto Others, really excited about that song. It's probably my favorite song on the album for so many reasons. And the video is powerful. It's a music video. We're in it. So it's not another lyric video. We shot that. The guys came out here and quarantined at my house, and we shot two uh, videos, one for uh, Do Unto Others and then Divider. And then we also shot uh, two live uh, on-demand albums, one being the new album in its entirety, the other being To Hell with the Devil. And uh, the new album uh, on-demand will be coming out in the next six to eight weeks. And so excited. We figured if we can't bring a tour to people, we can bring uh, a live show to, to their uh, living rooms. So it's really cool, man. We're excited. And we've got so much planned. And uh, the future is the future is incredibly bright. And we're so, so happy that we're able to do what we do at the level that we're doing it at. That's great. Well, Michael, thank you so much again. That, that was Michael Sweet from the band Striper. Check out their new release on September the 4th, uh, Even the Devil Believes. And, Michael, we wish you all great success. And um, thank you again for taking time with us today. We much greatly appreciate it. Hey, buddy, thank you so much, man. Much appreciated as well, and uh, God bless you, and hopefully we'll see you out there on the road soon, okay? Awesome. Likewise. Thank you so much. Metal for Life. Thanks for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our websites at MetalMayhemROC.com and MetalForever.com for information on upcoming concerts, podcasts, archives, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. Catch us next time on WLFE-DB Radio. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.